And while we're doing that, I would like to know if how many of you were uh, able to find yourself a, a colleague, a co-experimenter, to set up an experimental chamber that you could be doing the experiments that we're, that we're getting into here in five-body intimacy journeys. If you, have you started, were you able to lasso somebody and, and bring them in? Did anybody have a story to tell about that? Not everybody put their hand up. Iris, Iris and then Nicole. What happened, Iris? Yeah, so I'm with the awesome Hannah. And um, I, I thought of a person like, okay, who do I want to join? Who's like an experimenter? Um, and then we were actually supposed to meet up last weekend. And he suddenly sent me a message like, hey, why don't we meet up on Monday? <laughs> so then I was like, well... Perfect timing. So uh, it just kind of existed. Yeah. Cool. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Nicole, what did you, what happened for you? So I wasn't here last week, but on Saturday, Bruce told me about the homework. So I took it on and I made a Facebook post and then I didn't like what happened, but I liked some of what happened. So I talked to those people in a private message and said, Hey, what, what can we do to help each other? Because they wanted the homework too, essentially, and uh, and I'm now I'm gonna I'm gonna meet someone not for a while, but okay. All right. You know the reason that I proposed the challenge is because each of us has a psychological defense strategy, the thing that we call the box in possibility management, and the box has one goal, one objective which is to keep things the same. And it has a very good purpose for that. And the purpose is simple. It is that I want to keep things the same because it is proven that you can already survive in whatever situation that has been up until now. So if anything changes in your environment, you know, in your world, if something changes significantly, then the box starts freaking out because it's not sure that it can manage to keep you surviving. And so bringing in a person to engage in mm, experiments where you're expanding your ability to be intimate is enough of a change threat to the box that it will try to undermine that one way or another. And by now, you've probably noticed how powerfully the box can influence your circumstances even. It's almost like little accidents happen where, where that block things or undermine things or force things to happen a certain way so that it can be triggered in the same old habitual patterns that it has been accustomed to all these times and allow you to survive in the same situation. It's how many people know what I'm talking about with the box just kind of creeping in and yeah, really good reasons. The box is a masterful reason generator and we are gullible. We are gullible to the reason level. 
and and to do the to do the experiments that that will keep coming up in the study of radiant joy brilliant love to do those experiments requires a a, a bigger commitment than mere survival then it, it requires some kind of commitment to expansion or transformation or development or discovery or growth or evolution something like that so there's a little battle going on inside of you like i notice um i notice i don't notice anything okay i th i thought there were fewer people on here today but there actually are not fewer people so all i'm saying is the the battle that's going on inside of you is significant it may seem small or trivial or only show its head every now and then but it's a significant battle between your being stepping into the world in a way naked in a way vulnerable outside of the protection mechanisms of the box or the box and there's even a spark, I wrote a spark about this, and it said, if you're single, the box says one. I can look up which number it is, and I can put it in the chat line, but it's like, if you're single, your box says one, because it's just arranged for the, the, the significant challenges of intimate encounter to be avoided, to protect you by protecting itself and so this this little this mechanism from the box is huge huge uh has a huge influence on our ability to to get out of the the gravitational field of our current life situation like i don't know if you know about spaceships i don't know if i know about spaceships but you know for a spark to for a for a spaceship to escape the gravitational pull of the earth it has to achieve a certain velocity a speed and if it doesn't reach that speed it will fall back down and crash in the earth so this is kind of what we're talking about we're talking about an inner revolution you winning the battle between you and your own inner status quo and the point is that if, if that's not a habit of yours, if winning that battle is not a habit of yours, if you have a, if you have a track record of, uh, um, of a predictable life, of creating a predictable situation for yourself, if that's your track record, then, it's, then what happens over time is the box crystallizes. The box gets stickier, heavier, harder, thicker, and it, it's the, when you put a crack in it, <clears throat> the liquid states that you go through are more significant. The, like the breakdown and breakthrough experience becomes more traumatic, the more rigid your box comes over time. So, so just to know it's totally possible still to get out of the, the habitual mm, constraints or the habitual like circumstances that seem to keep showing up for you, that's totally workable. That does work. And just get ready for the breakdown, breakthrough experience being significant. So you don't have to kill your box. 
to engage in the experiments that we're offering you. You don't have to kill your box to do that. You just need, there's, there's different ways to do it. One way is to actually feed your box a little bit, feed the gremlin, which is your defense strategy of your box, you know, feed it whatever kind of foods it likes a little bit. And then it, when it goes to sleep a little bit, then do, when it's satisfied a little bit, then do a, an experiment. So it's, it's sort of this inner negotiation that goes on between you and your own status quo. If you're going to, if you're going to step out of bounds, like make the thing that's committed to your safety feel safe, so that, and then you can do an experiment. Because the kinds of experiments we're going to be doing are more and more edge work experiments. They're more and more beyond, uh, beyond the ordinary. So, and, and this, the challenge of um, bringing in a, a partner type person to do these experiments with on a, on a temporary, on a conditional basis, this, this is a big, it's a wild thing. It's a big thing. So I'm, the challenge is still going to be out there. I mean, basically every week I'm going to put the challenge out because, because talking about it and being in this space and understanding and getting some new distinctions and wanting, being motivated to do the experiments, well, that's one thing. And actually engaging in the experiments is a completely different thing. And you don't get the results except through engaging in the experiments, really. Yes. Yes, you have to have the idea of the experiment. Yes, you have to make the time and space and energy and to do the experiment. But until you do the experiment, you don't hit you don't hit the road. Like the wheels don't hit the road. You don't actually get a grip on reality. So I, I would I love being with you guys. I love talking with you about this. I love diving in. Your questions are fantastic. The the spaces that we get on are very nurturing for me. I and I think for you. This is all great, and I just have this lifelong kind of commitment to the wheels hitting the road, like something actually changing for you. And, and I, just to repeat the thing about liquid states, if something is going to change, then your inner and sort of outer system has is, is got to go through this middle state of here, it's in, it's in this shape now, and you want it in this shape or this shape. So in order to get from here to here, there's this middle part where there's nothing. It's a complete breakdown state. And it, it can be very small and it can be very fast or it can be very deep and it can be take a few weeks. So I think you all know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, this thing that we call liquid states can become your friend. We'll, we'll be getting into that in the book. But when you notice that things, when you get a fever, when you feel like the world doesn't really exist anymore, or when you feel like the rug has been pulled out from under you, or you feel angry at everything all the time, or you're laughing your head off because nothing makes sense anymore, or like these are all different kinds of liquid states. And when you have the idea, the understanding that these are liquid states, then it's the X on the map that says, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm shaking. I, I um, want to write letters of complaint to everybody. I'm decided not to pay any of my bills anymore. I'm going to eat only chocolate. I'm whatever the liquid state is that you find yourself in. 
then you can go, ah, hey, I'm in a liquid state. This is good news. And you know, I mean, you can decide if it's what kind of news it is. So if you can say, I'm in a liquid state, that is good news. Something is changing. Let it change. Like, hit me. Like, come on, let, let's go through this. Let's go all the way through this. Like, let it, let it be as big as it can be and sort of surf the liquid state. Like, go through the washing machine cycle. Like, the thing, will, the thing will come to an end. Eventually, it will come to an end. You know, all things come to an end. Good things, horrible things, they come to an end, which is good news and bad news. But you can count on, I know you, you know, you've been in these states. You've been in these bardo, groundless, horrible, dark, alone, spiteful spaces. And look at you now. You are present, healthy, happy, cheerful, clean, balanced. Look at you now. So, so just, just keep the perspective. The work that we're doing with Radiant Joy, Brilliant Love, we're building love that lasts. This thing, this thing is transformational stuff. It is alive. It will, if you let it into your life, it will really change things. And the change includes liquid states. And so as we check in when we meet, you know, each week, we just let's let us know what kind of liquid states you've been through. And when you when you do something so wild as to as to call somebody in to do experiments with you as an experimental partner with regards to love and relationship and intimacy intimacy spaces, this is big stuff. So it just I want you to know there will be liquid states and it's totally fine. It's really totally fine. This, by the way, is a learning club. It's not a looking good club. And so you can either be on the looking good team or the learning team. You don't really get to be on the looking good team when you are on the learning team because you're in the washing machine in the learning team. So it's your choice. So welcome to the washing machine. I will start reading from page 20, 21, section six, and we'll go for a while and then we'll stop for some questions and discussion. Here we go. My grounding cord is this dark purple color today, just to let you know. Ah, look. <clears throat> Section six, letting your patterns disintegrate. That's relevant. We have been trained that learning involves pattern recognition. To an even greater degree, however, learning, and especially expansive learning, also involves pattern disintegration. Patterns disintegrate through learning new core ideas that we call memes. A meme is a fundamental instruction for the design of your mind in the same way that a gene is a fundamental instruction for the design of your physical body. This book is filled with mimetic viruses that can spring back to life from the book into you in a moment through contact with the living medium of your mind you know, your ability to understand. So the meme can jump back to life. In the book, it's crystallized as words on paper. 
The memes in this book are very clear and have a tendency to replace any memes that you presently have that are less clear than the new ones. Developing new competence in creating relationship means the old patterns must be released from their grip. Our old view must disassemble. Give yourself permission to wholly experience the annihilation of your present relationship memes. So, Our usual modes for being in relationship are simply patterns of behavior that we have learned long ago and continue to implement because they are familiar. So just think about where you got those memes. A lot of them from our parents, a lot of them from our relatives, a lot of them from the media, television, movies, magazines, novels, stories. This is where we've implanted our ideals or our imagination of what relationship would be or should be or must be. And then we measure ourselves against that. Those are our memes with regards to relationship. So this is, this is saying, be prepared to let those things decompose. You can have a little meme compost pile over in the corner of your mind. You know, when the things start breaking down, just stick them over in the compost pile and they'll, they'll come back to life something useful. What you are doing by reading this book and experimenting with new behavior is saying the buck stops here, which is a an American phrase, which means I take responsibility for this. It's I am I'm taking a stand for this. The buck stops here with me. It's like I will pay the bill. That's what it means. The buck stops here with me now. I want to make changes. I take a stand for making changes. By taking responsibility for starting new patterns, you simultaneously destroy old patterns. So that's that's why well, we're, we're not fighting the old patterns. The technique of trying to stop anything is not promoted in this work. The, what's promoted in this work is to try new things. And not everything you try will work. Some things will work, some things will not work. When you try something that works, it will eventually replace the thing that you had going on before, just because the new thing is better. It just replaces it. So. During the reordering of your understanding, you may experience some moments of confusion. That's the liquid states we're talking about. This is normal. Confusion is one sign of grief. You may be grieving the passing of the old ways. For example, you may see that you've been mistrusting and even denying your own intuition in favor of what other people tell you or in favor of some system of doctrinal belief. When this awareness hits you head on, let it come with honest wails and tears, if that's what it does, rather than trying to keep an already dead thing alive so as to avoid the pain of recognizing that it is already dead. As Marilyn Ferguson said so long ago in the Aquarian Conspiracy, a falling apart precedes a falling together. 
I encourage you to let the reordering happen uninterrupted and as thoroughly as you can. You short circuit the process when you attempt to cover it up this change process or to deny it. Take care to nurture yourself through it all. Go for a walk. Take a long, hot bath. Listen to sweet music. Enjoy the sunset and a good meal. Go to bed early. If you succeed in leaving your known territory and entering the unknown where everything seems new, one thing you can be sure of is that the mind will not leave you alone for long. It is uncanny how the mind will rustle through the ashes of our burnt down house of cards and without effort construct another way of looking at things in almost no time. That means you don't have to worry about the box falling apart because the box puts itself together in a new way all by itself. So you've seen this over and over again in trainings or personal development processes. It looks like there's no future. It looks like there's no road anymore. It looks like there's no sunrise. It looks like that nothing else is possible. And you know, within fifth, within a half hour, you're fine. It's like whole the whole the thing just comes back alive by itself. So this is pretty cool. It's sort of like it's sort of like you can basically jump off anywhere in 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 the experimental world. You can kind of leap into new things. And if you crash and burn, something will come out of the ashes. So this is the Phoenix process. This is the Phoenix process. Go and go until you crash and burn. Let it burn completely down to ashes. And then there's nothing you can do. It, and then just sort of notice what happens. Don't expect anything that doesn't help. Don't plan on anything that doesn't help. But let the, let the, let the ashes be there. Let it be completely gone. And, and out of left field, which is a baseball metaphor, which people in Europe don't understand at all, I tried to teach some German people baseball one time, and it was just basically a hilarious confusion because it's just an insane game. Don't ever try to learn baseball. But you just, um, God, I got lost in the metaphor. Um, let the thing fall apart, and, and it will come back together by itself. So... Pattern disintegration is a prelude to a new worldview. The mind puts itself back together without you having to do much of anything. If you experience pattern disintegration and renewal often enough, you will start to see that this is how evolution happens. Expansive learning means that you can learn to recognize and participate in the evolutionary flow. As the bright warmth of summer fades into fall, so too does the deathly chill of winter inevitably blossom into spring. Such transitions are natural and in the big picture unstoppable. The force of evolution does its mysterious work during the transitions between solid phases. Get used to being in transition. I mean, I just want to say that this can happen in a few moments. Like you might be talking to your roommate or housemate or neighbor and all of a sudden there's the, um, an emotional trigger reaction that you have or you're in a meeting and you want to promote an idea and then somebody just looks at you or out of 
of the corner of their mouth makes a comment at you that is negative or um, insulting or der derisive. And all of a sudden, this, this emotional bile comes up in your whole body. And so you feel like killing yourself. You feel like vanishing. You feel like killing them. You feel like giving up. You feel like destroying the whole thing. You know, just over some tone of voice or somebody looks at somebody else instead of looking at you or somebody gives a compliment to somebody who really didn't do anything when actually you really made the thing happen. Like, like these, this, and this can happen so fast. And if you can, if you can see it, if you understand how the machine works, then you know where you are in the underworld map inside yourself. And you can, and the knowledge you can apply, you just apply your awareness to the mechanism that's going on, all you Buddhists, and the thing will catalyze. The th you will go through a liquid state where the awareness transforms the ugliness into fertilizer. And you take a breath and you're, free, you're fresh again. So this, this whole death and resurrection show, the whole Phoenix process, the whole liquid state re-emergence into your personality, that all can happen in just a few, a few moments. And, so if, and if you know the map, if you know where you are, you are safe. If you don't know where you are, it clicks every single survival reaction mechanism you have from your childhood, from past lives, from all of future, you know, future things that you can imagine, all comes flaming on. And it's horrible for a while. Your hormones get way out of balance. You know, it takes like half hour a day, you know, a week to come back to yourself. But if you know what it is, if you, that's what the whole point of this is, is to become aware of the mechanisms inside of you so you can just watch them. It will still feel the same, but it'll, but it'll burn cleaner. It'll go through its process way faster and you can let it, and you can look for the evolutionary mimetic upgrade. You can look for a new present. You can look for a refined, upgraded, more conscious present and, and stand in it. You can move into the new territory more effectively. So when it, when it burns, when it crashes and burns, let it crash and burn, and then, then step into the new with new behaviors, like really try something new. Uh, one of the tricks that I use sometimes is I will actually stand up, actually put my head on my finger on top of my head, and I turn around. And when you do that, will you all just do that right now? Let's all do that. We stand up, turn around really fast, a couple times, and sit down. Yeah. You come back and sit down. Oh. Look, we're in a whole new world. I mean, can you feel it? This is a, it's an, how many people could feel getting a little dizzy? Like the, yeah, the structure that was kind of around you is stirred up. The, your energetic body has to catch up to your physical body. Like it's, um, there's a, so, so that's a way to remind yourself that you can do this stuff quickly. You don't have to drag it out for a long time. It doesn't have to, you don't have to call up your therapist and have a session about it. You can, you can stay with it 
and, and let it burn fast and come back and shift. It's called shift go, you know, beep shift go. I want to read one more paragraph and then let's talk for a few minutes. Through making efforts to shift your basic life strategy from mere survival to full out living, you align yourself with forces that are greater than yourself. You start to play a role in what author Rogan Taylor calls the death and resurrection show. In the heat of unexpected opportunities, your old ideas blaze and crisp. They just burn, making way for new ideas to sprout. Through, and those are memes, that's your meme construct. Through fire after fire, you slowly come to discover what philosopher Karl Graf Durkheim refers to as that which is indestructible. So life can be more intensely profound and exciting than we have ever been led to believe, including our life of relationship. So the, the idea from Durkheim is that which is, that which is real can't burn. That which is real in you cannot burn. So let, let stuff burn. And the stuff that burns, the stuff that like crisps up and falls away, wasn't real in the first place. So this is a, a, a I've, I've used that a lot. And I just want to recommend it. I just suggest that you can count on that which is real, not burning. So good. Let's this pause for a moment, take a breath. And is anybody have any comments or questions about anything right now? Jim, go ahead. Jim and then yeah, Shannon. I'm just struck at by how, you know, this is the process of evolution as, oppo as opposed to or in addition to natural selection. In other words, natural selection kind of gets the credit for the process, but I, I, don't, I don't believe it compared to what you're talking about. Can you say the difference? Can you, can you, be, can you distinguish the difference for us? Well, natural selection to me is a mechanical process where uh, there's a, where you cut away the, the, the poor performers in some way, and then that evolves more gradually. But, um, but the process of transformation that we're talking about here is, uh, I like the quote by Goethe, uh, something like, uh, I think it's die and become till thou hast learnt this, thou art but a dull guest on a dark planet. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Great. Shannon. Yeah, so you made a comment that if you're no longer in a relationship, you're box one. And I was just wondering, isn't it better to like be on your own for a moment than to go back into those same patterns of codependent relationships? Because when I'm reading your stuff, I'm like, the reason I'm not with my husband anymore, that, that I have an ex-husband, is because I felt like he was holding on to what was, desperately clinging. And I wanted, and like I was embracing what was coming toward me. And, um, and so I was ready to like move into that world of uncertainty and creativity. And he just was like clinging. 
Um, anyway, I just wanted to get clarity on that comment that you made. You have something? So, um, this, you know, this whole, this little quote that love or relationships don't die from a lack of love, they die from a lack of intimacy is so profound because what you're saying is you wanted a kind of exploratory evolutionary intimacy and you needed that. You're, this is, one cannot really, you, you don't really get to define what you, what you want in a way. There's, when you're being wants something, it actually wants it. I, to me, there are forces at work in us that are, that are bigger than our mastermind plan. You know, our, our um, what's it called? Our, our bucket, what's that bucket list? Yeah, our bucket list. There's, there's things that work in our life bigger than our bucket list of all the things that we wanna do before we die. There are these huge forces at work. And to, you can fight those forces, but it takes a lot of television and alcohol and, and online shopping and probably pornography and stuff like that. It takes a lot of distraction for us to fight those influences. And, and in like we began to talk about last week about monogamy, the, the number of, I don't know, I, I, would, I would dare say the number of cases of cancer that have been caused by restricting oneself to conform to the, the, the structures of monogamy, I think it's skyrocket, I think it's huge. I think, there's, I think the forces of, of a construct that we believe in as, as good or right or true in our mind compared to life, like the conflict between those two things is, is, is huge. And if we try to stick with the construct instead of, and fight these life forces, it's gonna be very expensive. And so, yeah, and so this, um, the idea, I'm not saying that um, a man is not a man unless he has a woman at his side. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we have, um, uh, we have like 500 pages of experiments to do. And, and I would encourage people to have an experimental partner now at the beginning rather than doing this whole journey and then go, okay, now I'm ready to experiment. It's it just, it, it's just not as good, not as effective. So it's crazy. It's wild to corral, corral somebody from the world into uh, relationship experiments or communication experiments or, or, or healing experiments. It's wild to do that. And wh why the hell not? I mean, come on, like, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not saying rush from one, um, one neurotic uh, personality cult to the next. And that's not what, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, um, take a breath, you know, let the dust settle, and then jump back in the ring you know, in terms of boxing as a metaphor or something like that, is jump back into the, you know, you fall off a horse, jump back on the horse. You know, it's like, rather than following your boxes, um, 
vow. I'm never going to do that again. I will never do that again. I'm no, no. And then of course you do it again, but it, those the the kind of thing doesn't really uh, work that way. So okay, Shannon. So that's what we're trying to get with that. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah, Ingrid. Uh, hey, Ingrid, I, Ingrid, 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 did you grab somebody? Um, yeah, that's, my question is, um, I understood last week that it's not necessary to have a partner the whole time the same, but to, to grab for, for uh, I can take whoever, okay, okay, so I, I understood it right, yes, okay, yeah. so I had, uh, yeah, I had several partners even. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Okay, what were you going to say? Is that what you were going to say? Yeah, my, my question was asked because I, I was uh, a little bit confused in the moment mm -hmm. if you meant to have a partner for the whole time of the book no, or no. for every experiment another one, if, yeah. if I want. I mean, what will happen as we go along is here's an experiment, here's an experiment, here's an experiment. And it isn't that the first experiments will go away. It's a, it, it builds. And so these first experiments, you keep doing them and then you add this and you add that and you add this and pretty soon your whole life will shift into this experimental field so that almost every encounter you have with a plant or an animal or a person or, or something else like a child will be an experiment and so yeah 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 and so so the the experimental nature of like what Jim Ruff was talking about there about evolution, the experimental nature of like the invitation to experiment is is doesn't stop. It really doesn't like each moment. I mean, this phrase of being alive in every breath, it's like we will they're gonna change it. We're gonna say experiment in every breath, do a different experiment in every breath. And you know, of course it's not possible. At the other hand, it is possible. And so, so it's a, just a different orientation. Like it isn't like, you know, we're not going to come together here and figure out the, the right way to create relationship. What we're going to do together is kind of poke holes in the, 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 the construct that we've been inside until the thing kind of turns into Swiss cheese and then eventually just kind of collapses and is replaced by a dynamic, kind of ongoing experimental attitude that will just take over. It'll just kind of the liveliness, the lebendigkeit, the, the, the aliveness factor will just uh, sprout through the structure. We'll just use the structure for fertilizer. And that, that will be, and, and, then, and then what's the outcome gonna be? Well, the outcome is not going to be the man and the wife and the kid in the house with the car and the, and the, you know, the vacation, it's not gonna be that. It's not going to be that. It's like it's if that's what your thing is, you just get off right now. We're not gonna, we're not going there. You know, and where we're going, we can't even, I can't even tell you where we're going. You know, the journey is the fun part. I mean, it, from this is what I think. So we're in the journey right now. We're we're doing this conversation, we're having this exploration. And then in between times, I hope you experiment the hell out of everybody around you. You know, and what will happen is you might lose some friends. So people will just go, she, you know, she went off the edge. I don't know what happened. She went to this study group and she just lost it, you know? 
like the one I could depend on, the one I could kind of always share my deepest pain with. She would always listen to me, you know, or he was so nice. I could, you know, and they're not doing it anymore. They just aren't interested. They want to do experiments with me, you know, like you might lose some of those friends. And at the same time, you will encounter people who are, uh, who have been, who've been in the shadows where you just didn't see them before because they were too dangerous for you. They were too weird for you. They were too like obnoxious or assholes. Maybe they're, what will happen I think is you will join the, the global asshole club and you will become a, a global level asshole. And um, because, because the, we really need you now, this is my opinion, but the world really needs people who will disagree, basically disagree with everything and, and have really good reasons and then have options that are different, new, new options. And just, and will populate, like will occupy their new options until it becomes a different status quo or it, it's like this evolutionary process. But to do that, you really have to be an asshole. And so, um, God, we need t-shirts. It's like, Radiant Joy, Brilliant Love, Asshole Club, something like that. <laughs> yeah, so you can, <laughs> so you can, so you can justify yourself for being an asshole, you know, for just not agreeing. I just say, I just, I make, and it's not about going against. It isn't about going against. It's like, here you are, somebody's doing this and they expect you to do, you know, this, and you just, you just go like this. You just go somewhere else and they're going, what? What happened to them? I just, I don't know what happened to them. And you just, it's, it's all right. It, you know, there's 8 billion people on the planet. And so I think, I think when we reach something like 7% assholes, we can create a new future. So I think we're around 4% right now. So we're, we're trying to invent your assholeness. We're going to feed you the catalytic formula, whatever it takes to turn on this ass, the dragon fire, this dragon asshole fire inside of you to just, sprout out in all kinds of different ways that you cannot predict. And each day you go to bed and go, God, what was that? that is, what happened today? You know, I woke up this morning thinking I was going to have cornflakes and it, like all this stuff happened. And I mean, you know, I've used up my whole day and I'm, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but God, life is kind of wild. So like that, like, I mean, I don't know. We're, and Chloe and I, we just moved into this little apartment with another lady. And, and so we're not, we don't live alone in the place. There's also a cat. And, and so, so I, you know, when we were living alone, there was this thing about, do we, do we wash the dishes or we don't wash the dishes? But here, when we're living with somebody else, it's kind of like, God, we have to wash the dishes. So Instead, we just kind of stick them in our room underneath the pillow, you know, in the corner in the room, we have this pile of dirty dishes. And this is not, you know, this would, my mom would freak out about that. My mom would not allow that. So I've had to break these rules of, so this is what it's about. It's about discovering these secret uh, demons, these kind of creatures that live, that occupy your world, that have these threats, like, your mother, you know, or the police or the government or the tax office or, you know, the neighbors, what will the neighbors think? Or these forces that are around there that if, you, if you're not aware of them, they own you. They just own you. And then, and then 
and then you you can actually confront them you can you can learn to feel when one of those things is creeping up behind you and giving you this little feeling behind your your neck and you turn around and you go ah not you again you know and and it's just like you know, go back go back to where you came from no i don't know you see <laughs> you don't you don't have to do anything you just have to be aware of them and let them go by you just spin your your energetic body or hold up your cloth that's one of my favorite things is to get out your cloth in this case it's green and the thing is charging at you like a bull and so a lot of people hold the cloth right here you know, so the thing is charging and they hold the cloth right here. Guess what happens, you know? <clears throat> but it's a very easy move to move the cloth over like this. And then and then you're still in relationship and still completely connected with the world and reality and the rule, this force, you just let it go by. <clears throat> and it just kind of take it just goes way off. Who knows where they go? But they they all kind of meet out there and at the bar and have beer or something. But anyway you can stay in the present and and do the next thing do the next experiment so that it's really there's 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 a lot more possible than to obey or come what's it called disobey basically obey or disobey those are usually our options you know and we're going to be talking about going nonlinear. you know obey and disobey is like this and going nonlinear is this you just like and like I said, you might lose some friends, but there's a lot of other people doing this too. So you'll you'll find some find new things. Somebody else, anything else right now? Gabriella Clara, you okay? All right. Just checking. Jennifer Dominguez, you're okay? All right. Okay, Mia, you're okay? Mia, this is a sideways question. You you have a um, Radiant Joy Brilliant Love study group in Miami, right? Or is, the question is, is your study group online? Our study group is online, yes. And it's with uh, your other book, Directing the Power of Consciousness. Okay. Is it an open group? Yes. So do we have the, is it online? It's like at uh, Possibility team possibilityteam.org is it online so that people can find it and join you if they want all of the information is online yes yeah great okay thanks so just so you know if you're not getting enough of distinctions and nonlinear possibilities you can jump into mia's group what when is your group when is that group we meet every friday at 2 p.m eastern standard time in the usa on the east coast 2 p.m Okay. Till three thirty, two to three thirty. Okay. Great, great. Thank you. All right. If, if there's nothing else right now, we're going to jump right back in to section seven. All right. Yeah, being okay with looking bad. Section seven. You are going to look bad in this expansive learning process. There is no way around it. In the paradigm of defensive learning, we have been convinced that looking bad is the worst possible circumstance. If we look bad to our peer group, they might cast us away. Deep down, we fear that being banished from our core group is a death sentence. And a long time ago, it used to be so. 
in some cases now it still is. But look at it this way. Seeking peer acceptance is typical herd behavior. Survival through herd behavior is an instinct we acquired long before we crept down from the trees and stood upright on two feet. Although the urge to follow our ancient herd instincts may feel strong, we do not have to follow them. In particular, herd instincts do not serve us when we are doing unherd-like things. I was gonna say unheard of things, such as learning. Expansive learning is not herd behavior. This is an important thing to note. Uh, herd behavior is, don't learn anything new, do what everybody else is doing. So expansive learning is individual behavior. It's not herd behavior. When learning expansively, you may tend to stand out in a crowd. So I would bet, I would bet a large chocolate chip cookie that every single one of you stands out in a crowd, actually, if you would admit it, even though I mean, probably, probably your gremlin might like it a little bit sometimes. How many people's gremlin likes it when you stand out in a crowd a little bit? Okay. <laughs> okay good. Yay. All right. We're in the, I'm in the right study group. Okay. Learning something new, which you are doing as you work with this book, automatically makes you look bad to your peers because you look strangely different from how you looked before. You also look bad to yourself because now that you know what you know now, you can see that you did not know it before. I'll just say that again. You also look bad to yourself because now that you know what you know now, you can see that you did not know it before. So there's a kind, there can even be shame about that or, or, or sadness or like lost time, time went by because you didn't know this stuff before. There is no way to avoid looking bad if you are on the learning team. You get to choose between the looking good team and the learning team. As a member of the looking good team, you might be looking good. But as Ken Wines, my first trainer and a student of Dr. Eric Burns, transactional analysis used to say, looking good, going nowhere. The way you join the learning team is to keep studying, keep practicing, keep doing experiments, going to talks, seminars, workshops, and trainings, doing your own personal experimenting, and implementing new behaviors. In this particular case, the way you join the learning team is to keep reading. If while reading you begin to experience a painfully clear perspective of yourself and what your relationship life has been about, let that experience go on and on for a long time, as long as it can go. That's the pain. The pain of how it has been, let it go on. Do not cover it up. Don't let it, not as guilt, not as self-flagellation, merely as clear self-recognition about what you have actually been up to. It takes time for your self-image to adjust to the new view. It takes time to hit bottom satisfactorily so that the wisdom, humbleness, and compassion can ripen out of the pain of disillusionment.
the objective here is disillusionment. <laughs> the objective is disillusionment. I mean, to be disillusioned is the objective, and that's painful. And stay in the pain, that's the thing, stay in it. It's like this thing about hitting bottom, hitting bottom satisfactorily. It's like a lot of us are really good at trying to swim back up to the surface in a way, trying to put the show back on, trying to put the, you know, the standard answer to the question, are you okay, is, yeah, I'm fine. You know, try to answer that a different way. Try to answer it like, I'm feeling 13% scared, you know, you know, like that. You start, you start, not about fine, are you fine, you know, just never banish the word fine from your vocabulary. I mean, usually when people come up to me and they say, um, let's see, what do they say? How are you? I, my answer is usually something like, it's a blue sky out there today. Or my answer is something like, do you have 45 minutes? I will tell you how I am. I'm happy to tell you how I am, but it will take 45 minutes. And it is not fine. I mean, it's very fine. It's so fine that it will blow your circuits if I tell you how fine it really is. You know, you will, you will not believe it's possible for a human being to actually walk down the street without floating if it's this fine. It's good. It is that fine. I can, I can, there's a new definition for fine in my, in my world. You know, I think a lot of you experience more ecstasy than you admit to other people. And so, I, I want you to start admitting it. Please admit your ecstasy to people. You know, people only think they can relate to you if you have a problem. And, and you can just, people can say, well, how are you? And you can go, I've discovered the gap between problems where there is no problem. I discovered it and I decided to inhabit it for the, for the next three months. I'm gonna, I'm gonna inhabit this gap. I just put a wedge in. So the, the door can't close. It's like the elevator door can't close anymore to take me down in the underworld where there's these problems. Because I found this space where there's no problems and I'm just going to hang out here for a while. Do you want to join me? I go, God, I don't know who I am when there's no problems. Okay, well, forget it. Get out of here. Like, I want to I talk to people who can hang out in a space where something else is possible besides problems. So, okay. So, so when, you, when you discover... When the pain comes up and when you recognize what you have been doing over and over again, it's like you've been hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. Okay, well, if you, if you, if you go, God, that's why I have this pain. It's because I'm hitting myself in the head with a hammer. Don't just stop. Keep hitting yourself in the, ha in the head with a hammer for a little while and go, why was I doing that? Ah, because my dad did it. I'm hitting myself in the head with a hammer because my teachers at school were not smart enough to be with me. So I had to dumb myself down just to not kill the teachers in the class. I'm hitting myself in the head with a hammer because I am so angry because I have so many ideas about things to change that, that I, that there's no real space for. So I have to just keep hitting, find out why you're, you're hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. So that's what it's saying. It's stay in hell when you're in hell, stay in there and let it educate you. Let it for, inform you. You know, this stuff is so important. I mean, I have a lot of pain, for example, about Keith, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger was one of my movie star heroes. 
you know, he was the, the knight, the, and he was this amazing um, actor that I really liked a bunch of his characters. And then he goes and he, you know, kills himself with drugs. And it's like, okay, what was really going on there? Well, what was going on there was that he, he wasn't friends with his underworld. You know, when people, when people are using sleeping medicines and painkillers and, and any kind of uh, those technologies for suppressing or avoiding the pain, they, um, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't really work. And so, and the result will be, you know, death instead of, it, it would have been so easy to, to, you know, even Michael Jackson, who is a total nutcase in my case, and, you know, he's a really just a, you know, a wild guy, you know, these people who die from, from the, the pain suppression drugs, every single one of them could probably have, were not well versed in navigating their underworld. So I've tried to advertise myself as a, an, a, an a like a coach for uh, actors who are um, encountering too much more underworld than they can they can deal with, and I don't have any clients yet. But just in case you hear of any, you know, Brad Pitt or somebody wants to, uh, you know, <laughs> want some coaching. So anyway, it's important because the underworld is everywhere. It is everywhere, and it in the planet that we're on right now in the in the culture that we're in right now, that's run by gremlins, populated by gremlins. There's like the entire economic scenario in the world is a complete gremlin gambling game. It's, it's in, and the entire power plays that are going on in corporations and governments is a complete gremlin power game. It's an entire gremlin world out there and it's taking down the life on planet Earth and it's all underworld, underworld shit going on it, it is and if you can if you cannot face that you 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 can't face love you won't be able to bring love in because because it will be subsumed it will be contaminated by the underworld gremlin stuff but when you can face it we can just go yeah you know here's the purpose here's the shadow purpose you know here's here's the game that's going on here's the bait and switch you know, here's, here's the marketing and here's the reality. When you, can, when you can face into this, then you can make space for love to happen. And you, so you need to navigate, we'll get into all three worlds, but the upper world, middle world, and underworld is part of your day-to-day -day relationship. And if it isn't, then you're, you're, you're trying to create a fantasy world or a fantasy bubble, something like that. So we will be welcoming ongoingly the underworld into this space in a in a in a way of as a way of uh, hitting bottom uh, satisfactorily, so that the wisdom, humbleness, and compassion can ripen out of the pain of disillusionment. That's why we're going to be doing that. So, so when you when you get when we end, you know, when we get off, and you go, God, we've been talking about dark stuff in there and i thought we were going to be talking about radiant joy and brilliant love you know well it's the same thing it's like 
if you can't be happy when you shit in your pants, you won't be able to be happy when somebody's loving you. It's like life is intense. It's really intense. In fact, I mean, it's, it's far more intense than I think that the, I, I think of most of the time. It's far more intense than I mostly realize. Really, I was, I was with Aunt Chloe today. We took our, our life is kind of so full of adventures that we had to take a day off from the adventure. So we, were, we, we went to this lake. It was the first day here in Germany that they let human, let the cows out of their pen. And all the people were kind of hanging around each other. And they didn't even know how to say hi anymore. People didn't even know how to say hi with each other. So I was basically going around making contact with each person going, hello, making this, this like, hello, so they could learn to say hello again. And then, and then we were just laying by this lake and there was nothing happening. And it was so intense to have, to just be in the sun, watching this little bug hop up and Chloe's arm, this little bug would just, he knew where he was going and just hopping up is so intense how much aliveness and intelligence and possibility there is in these moments where we think nothing is happening. It's very intense and all three worlds are there. All three worlds are always in, in there. And so you can choose which world you're gonna go in. You can, you can freak out and be a victim and, and get revenge and try to, try to protect yourself and be defense. And you can also be defenseless. You can be defenseless in the wonder and mystery of these moment to moment little this intense stuff that's going on and that's why we're including all three worlds in this because humbleness and compassion can ripen out of the pain of disillusionment you have to have the pain of disillusionment for it to happen so let yourself have the pain of disillusionment and we've been discovering the power of writing haiku poems so a haiku poem is this, it, <laughs> how many people have written a haiku poem in the last few days? <laughs> this is amazing, God. Okay, so use that nonlinear medium to give a voice to all three worlds. So don't make them all dark and don't make them all light and don't make them anything. Just, just let them have a vent. It's like a vent, it's like a, um, a chimney, like a, an output, like have, give them voice, let yourself, you know, for no reason, wherever you are, you know, your lipstick on the mirror, write a haiku, you know, write it on the napkin and leave it for the waiter, you know, just, just litter, you can like, you can be, a, uh, you can just litter out um, uh, haikus. A haiku is five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables, does not have to rhyme. It's very short, five, seven, five, and, and it's a haiku. So just, um, I encourage you to use that for all three worlds. Let me get back to the book. You may find that you have some resistance to seeing clearly what you have been up to, to seeing yourself clearly. It is not a pretty sight. It may shock you to see what you've been doing to betray yourself and betray others and make a fool of yourself when you're trying to look good, trying to be superior in a, in a shockingly immature way. I mean, like the way, the, to see clearly what you have been up to 
you might have some resistance to seeing that. By seeing the new clarity and at the same time having resistance to seeing the new clarity, you're actually holding two things in the same place at the same time inside of you. Two things cannot normally occupy the same space at the same time, right? So when you put the clarity and the resistance to the clarity in you at the same time, it will have this force. It is not comfortable, but you are, we are designed to hold that force. This is a very creative force. This is an immensely creative force to see what you want and to see what is and hold both of those in you at the same time. To have clarity and your resistance to the clarity at the same time to hold those in you, it's this force. So um, two things cannot normally occupy the same space at the same time. Holding two things in the same place at the same time is called cathexis. This is the, the main force of transformation that we use in possibility management is cathexis. It's the opposite, it's different from catharsis. So much of the work from Osho, which is uh, Sri Rajneesh, the thing that he taught his students, and so many students are out there still teaching this, is called catharsis, which means to throw it away, to get rid of. So uh, the cathartic emotional work that happened in a lot of the Osho tradition is it was wasting, blowing off, getting rid of this huge, this, this force of, uh, that was used, it was supposed to be available as rocket fuel in our lives and to regularly blow it off is called catharsis. So we're talking about cathexis, which is holding two things in the same place at the same time. It's a, and you, we're designed for this. Cathecting, which means to allow cathexis, produces a valuable kind of stress energy, similar to isometric exercises. Conscious cathexis builds your matrix. It builds the thing in, in you that can hold more consciousness. Conscious cathexis builds your matrix. Cathecting certain energies and exposing yourself to certain experiences and influences produces evolutionary change, which is not necessarily a pretty sight because it goes through the death and resurrection show because of the liquid states. It's not necessarily pretty, but it's very alive. Try to avoid explanatory, justificatory, diversionary, or anesthetizing tactics to avoid the discomfort of realizing what you have been up to in your relationship life. It means basically try not to deny the ugliness or the terribleness or the shock of realizing the things that you have been up to, to betray, to deceive, to win, to be right, to be first, you know, to be better, like all these things that we've been up to. Try to not anesthetize, just really look at them and, and keep them in, not beating yourself up, not as wrong, not as bad, but as part of the cathecting force. It's the resistance. You keep that in there with what else is possible. What you've been doing plus what else is possible builds matrix in you. And that matrix is an evolutionary force. It produces, when you have enough matrix, you evolve by reflex. You don't evolve, you don't evolve by effort. You evolve because you cannot not evolve. It's like 
if you put if you build an object in the shape of an airplane and you push it down the runway at a certain speed that thing will lift off the ground it's impossible for the thing not to lift off the ground so people are afraid that airplanes can't fly but it's not like that any object in that shape you push it down the runway it will fly any human being with enough matrix will evolve so the point is build matrix don't worry about the evolution part just do the experiments, do the cathexis, do the stuff that builds matrix, and the side effect will be evolution. It'll just show up by itself. That if the discomfort is the birth pain of new consciousness within you. Cool. Um, any comments or questions right now? Anything right now? We're tooling right along here. You know, this whole, this whole chapter is before the book really starts. We're, we're laying the context for the work that we're doing here. So thanks for hanging in here. Any, does anybody have anything they want to share? Yeah, Mar Martina? Okay. Uh, I have a question. And the question is... Um, how would you describe what is between you and Aunt Chloe? How would you describe that? So my first gremlin answer was about four meters of air. So could you can you try to try to make the try to make the question more dangerous or like more specifically what you really want? What do you really want to hear about? Um, we were talking about yesterday in the evening about uh, what a re relationship is. And uh, my thinking is more in my whole life is more like uh, we were, we were having this example of like, I have a book or I have a car or I have a dog or a cat. <laughs> and um, so I was wondering last night, how would you describe that? Mm. Okay. On June 8th of 2016, I walked out of the eco-village where I, I, I had my last marriage. I was in a relationship with Marion Lutz for 12 years. And I had tried to stay there for six months. I tried to stay there after this thing happened to me where there, the thing happened to me wasn't able to be, there was no intimacy response from Marion. It's not her fault. It's just that something happened to me that unfolded something where there was no, there, I could not be met anymore with, with intimacy for, for six months I was there. So I just, it was like I needed to go. So I just left. So I hit the road with a backpack and, I tried to get on a train and I fell down between the track and the train. You know, my leg was there and, and the only person who helped me was a black guy. He jumped up, this black guy jumped up and helped me pull me out of this, you know, this little gap. They mined the gap. Well, I didn't mind the gap. I was in this liquid state and my leg went down and he helped pull me out. And that was the beginning of hitting the road. And so, I didn't had no place to go. I didn't tell anybody where I was going. So I just was in this, I was, I was doing really what this said. I was hitting bottom satisfactorily. I had no idea what was happening to me. 
I had no idea what was what I was supposed to do or go or anything. I had no plan. I had nothing. So, uh, and I I ended up whatever. I ended up sleeping in a dojo and and doing some house sitting and ending up in the Canary Islands. I went to a training space there. I, I was sleeping in rented cars, you know, around for for months and months, really months and months. And so, so. I had, there was, there was not like, I, and I really, I didn't talk to anybody in this whole time. Like I, I basically nobody, like I was going, okay, where's my next, what's the next thing I'm supposed to do? What is the next thing I'm supposed to, you know, do? And I, I really, what I was supposed to do was hit bottom. What I was supposed to do was have nothing. And so, so if I could have, so I had this idea in the back of my head about echo. Echo is the Earth Coincidence Control Office. Echo is the force to me. Is this? I didn't invent this. This is from John Lilly way back in the 70s. The Earth Coincidence Control Office is the one who puts you together with your next partner, whatever. Because if you look back on your life, whoever you were with, did you did you really plan it out? Was it? Did you? Did you figure it out that in, or was it accident? Did it occur by accident? And so for me, it has always occurred by accident. And I, and so it occurred by coincidence. You know, I would do something and then, then I would come over here and I, and, and then, and then all of a sudden I would meet somebody and this, you know, they were already married to somebody else. So forget it. And all of a sudden we were together. So, so it's impossible how I came together with the different people I was with. So I began to start, noticing the earth coincidence control office and then i i have this other theory which is if i'm with nobody if i'm not in a project if i'm not on an adventure if i'm not serving something greater than myself if i'm not involved it's because echo can't find a place for me my current shape is not useful to echo and so then my work is to to make to acquire an interesting shape for echo how can i be useful as a catalytic force how can i be an element in the alchemy of echo of the earth coincidence control office which is about evolve the evolution of consciousness like clinton 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 i have to interrupt you i'm getting there okay but yes and but <laughs> uh, i I didn't. I didn't ask you about the story how you found her or uh, what happened that you. I didn't want to hear the story how, although it's a it's a it's a nice story. But my question was if you would if you if you would uh, have to describe what it is now. What is it now? What would you say? It is a space of possibility. Thank you. What are you going to do with that? I'm looking for possibilities. What it can be like, instead of a dog. Yeah, okay. Well, look. Okay. If you understand that instead of a relationship being a thing, it is an ongoing space where there isn't anything. And what you get to do is invent from moment to moment what's there. So like a relationship is not a 
So for me, it's not this, it isn't, I don't have one or not have one. It isn't something I can lose. It's like every, I'm in relationship with everybody on the screen, even if I haven't even talked to them personally before, there's this connection and I can have intimate, vulnerable conversations with everybody on the, who's here. Mm-hmm. And so, so why is that? Is it because we're, we're in relationship? No. I mean, yes, it's because we're in relationship. It's because relationship is this, is this domain. It's this open space that's not occupied already with something. It isn't occupied with something. It's, it's a question. It's a question. It's like, okay, what do you want to invent now? What do you want to invent now? How, do you, how would you like it to go now? What's the, what's the conscious theater you would like to enact with you and this other person in this space right now? What, what is it? Who, who, what, if, what if you don't even know who that person is really? I mean, how could you know what that person is? So what, what there is is there's a bunch of unasked questions. So Anne Chloe's over there. I don't, I don't know what she is. I, I, have all, I only have unanswered questions. So she has this question. So I'll make offers. I will make an offer. She made an offer today. She said, you know, let's go sit at the lake. So she threw into, I'm trying to get a book translated in Portuguese right now. And they're depending on me to finish the manuscript today so their translators can get on it by whenever. And, and she goes, let's go to the lake. So I have a choice. She, she's throwing lake into this space and I'm trying to throw in manuscript into, the, into this space. Well, lake, I, I go with the lake, you know, and, and so, so the offers that you can make, the adventure that you can th- offer, like what can you, what offers can you make that feed you and feed the other person in, a, in, a, in an adventurous, intimate way? Why would you want to have it any other, other way? Why would you want to have a, a schedule or why would you want to spend your time talking about logistics? Like a lot of people spend more than 10, 10 minutes a day talking about logistics and they think it's relationship because they're talking to each other, but it's about money and the dog and the time and the schedule. And like, what about the, you know, the plumbing and the grocery shopping and who's cleaning, like all this logistical stuff. People think that that's what relationship is. I mean, and, and you can have it that way if you want, but which you wants that, you know, and it turns out probably to be box and gremlin to want that because it will create tension and low drama and boringness. And, you know, so, okay. So what can you create in this space? What do you want to create? It's like, I get to be an alchemy, an alchemist of relationship. I get to be the, the wizard. Okay. And she gets to be the sorceress, the wizardess. And here's this space. And so what if I make an offer and she can't see it? Okay. Well, then I painted a different color or what if I make an offer and she goes, yes. And, and she raises the offer to something that just freaks my box out, which is a regular occurrence. But it often, it often happens. My box just freaks out by her offer back from my offer. So it's like, there's this ne- negotiating intimacy as as an art form in terms of what do we want to put in the space now so she has her box freakouts i have my box freakouts and 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 i don't just roll over those like a steamroller i don't just ignore that stuff but i do hold it 
with delicate, a delicate touch, like, like the thing that she would freak out about doesn't have to be the center of the stage. It can be cared for in a way so that other things can happen and the adventure can proceed without having the things her box freaks out about block it in the same way the other way around. Like when my box is coming up about, uh, like, like I had a chance this morning, for example, I've been in a three-day liquid state because I can, I see for some reason, I don't, I don't look at gold prices or silver prices at all. I just don't do that. And for the last three days, I've been, I've been, I've been, I wake up in the morning. And the first thing I think about is the price of gold has gone up. Price of silver always matches the price of gold and it hasn't gone up yet. So I could buy my friend Cornelius deals in silver. I could, I could get, I could buy like 10,000 whatever is from him. And, 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 and in three months it will double. And this has been freaking me out. So I, you know, my box wants to go to Cornelius and go, you know, get me some of this stuff, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take it, you know, is it going to happen? Is that what's really going to happen? Well, he doesn't know, and he's an expert. And I don't know, because I don't know anything. But I mean, it sure looks like it's going to happen in the next three months, I bet, you know, I bet the price of silver will match up to the price of gold when it's that high. And, and, but and Chloe is just looking at me going, you want to do this? I mean, really, this, this is what you want your attention to go to you need 10,000 more bucks you need to double your money is that what like what's she's like what's going on so it's like I make this offer and she's just like being with it so it's freaking my box out but she doesn't fight me she doesn't say she doesn't attack me she doesn't undermine me she doesn't um argue with me she's just kind of going this is what you really want is that what you and I'm going I'm in this like so it's like that. It's, it's a stance. So there's this space. There's really a lot of, there's an empty space. So my relationship is this empty space where I get to do transformational magic and adventure on an ongoing basis. And so far, I didn't get bored and she didn't get bored. Something like that. Go, can you, I suppose that's 15 chat things, oh my God. No, it's at the end, it's about the shape, becoming the, taking the shape of sugar. Okay. So how do you become something interesting that echo, if you're like, if so, here I am, like, so for a year, I was basic, I was, I was not interesting to echo or what I had to do was hit bottom. And so I, I, um, so the way I became interesting to Echo was that I, I found a project that sounded interesting to me called the Eco Village Restoration Camp. No, no, no. Eco Ecosystem Restoration Camps. It was a global project by John Dennis Liu. I found it online and I just started participating as a space holder for the evolution and transformation circle in the sociocracy structure of the Ecosystem Restoration Camp game world. I just started, I said, I am the space holder for this. And suddenly, as the space holder for this circle in the sociocracy of the ecosystem restoration camp, I became interesting to Echo. And it moved me to the camp. 
and that's where Aunt Chloe was. She was the boss at the camp. And then it moved everybody else out of the camp. And so for a month, I was in a house alone with Aunt Chloe with dogs and fleas and chickens and Aunt Chloe. And we were, we were the space holders for a global game world for the ecosystem restoration camp, the only one in the world. And we were suddenly, the, and we, we spent the entire month writing the codex for the game world. And it was an amazing evolutionary process that served obviously echo. So anyway, something like that. I didn't mean to say anyway in a bad way or to change anything or to stop anything. I just meant to say, thank you for asking. Can I, are there, is there anything else about that? Anybody else have anything else? Can you, uh, what's ECHO stand for again? The whole Earth, thing? Earth Coincidence Control Office. Thank you. What'd you say? Uh, and Chloe is sending the website. We're still building it. There's not much on there, but keep your eye on it. It will grow. Anybody else want to hear anything else about anything else or say anything else in the last few minutes? Ingrid. I wanted to ask you a question uh, already at the beginning of uh, today. Um, you told us about the box and I, ha I heard, maybe I, I uh, it was wrong, uh, that you used at the same uh, time the word uh, gremlin. I want all, already, since a long time, since I read your, read your books, to know what is the difference between box and gremlin. Thank you. The way it has turned out to look to us is that the box is a mimetic construct. It's a machine. It's a structure. It's a survival strategy. And it's built out of these imperative, I have to do this, I can't do this, the world works like this, I am like this, those people are like this, and this is what I should do in a place like this with people like them to survive. And it's just a machine. And it's dead. It's a structure. It's been there since we were three, four, five years old, the, the core of it or even younger, some people build their, they start building their mimetic construct in their mom's belly. We've been discovering that. And, but it's this, it's a structure. And the, and the gremlin is the living part. It's the force that tries to defend the structure and it will do anything. The gremlin can destroy any space at any time for no reason except survival, to keep things the same. So the gremlin is not bad. The gremlin is an incredible source of nonlinear possibility, but it's, it's meant to go through a transformation in authentic adulthood initiatory processes that we are not given. We have to go to the edge of modern culture, find the initiatory processes, and we need to do that work ourselves. The culture itself does not promote that. But when you shift, when you initiate your relationship to your gremlin, it's you own him, you make him conscious, you find out what his hidden purpose is, and you have him sit at your side, and you, have, you give him jobs to do that you can't do with your box. And he can do jobs that your box freaks out about. So I remember I was, I was in Positano, which is a beautiful little town on the coast of Southern Italy, on the, and 
and I was in a, a ceramics shop with Marion and we were there and just, she used to work there and we were there just, and we were in this ceramic shop. And then this guy, kind of an older guy, kind of walks past me and he looks me right in the eyes and he nods at me like this. And then he walks by and I, I go, I swear I've seen that guy before. I didn't say anything. And I'm standing there, I go, God, that was James Bond. That was Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan just looked me in the face and walked by me. At the, at, I go, God, that was amazing. And Marion looks at me and goes, you have to go talk to him. I'm going, ah! you know, my box just freaks out. You know, I'm not going to, he's on a vacation. He's a movie star. He's busy. He doesn't want fucking idiots like me coming out and talking to him, you know, about anything. I'm not, my box is completely freaking out. She goes, no, no, you have to go out there right now and sit and talk to him. That was not an accident that you, you, you meet Pierce Brosnan. So my box is fighting with me. It's like, no way, no way. And so my, and then I call on my gremlin. My gremlin, and I go, we're going to go talk to Pierce Brosnan. Gremlin goes, no problem. So I turn around and walk outside. And he, he actually was captured by three or four other people. And he was actually happy to talk to those people. So I stood in line to talk to him. And so after, after a couple of minutes, he was going pretty quickly through these people. He got to me and I, and, and people were going, God, it's really great to meet James Bond. I always wanted to meet James Bond. I look at him and I go, I always wanted to meet Grey Owl. So this Grey Owl is this amazing, it's a great movie with Pierce Brosnan. It's a fantastic, you should see it. It's called Grey Owl. And he looked at me and he goes, yes, that was a good movie. You know, because he's just a fucking movie star. They drag him around and have him do whatever they want, these producers and directors. But Grey Owl, it really touches you. It's like this amazing true story about this guy. And, and he did a fantastic job with it. And so immediately we were on this other level and I couldn't have done this at all. It was my gremlin who, who did all this stuff. So we ended up, he, he even gave me his email address. I, you know, he goes, what do you do? I go, uh, people are, I make people conscious of their pain. People are in a lot of pain these days. And I, I train them how to become conscious of it and use their pain for transformation. He goes, you got that right. We had this great conversation about transformation and healing and the possibilities of humans and what's going on in the planet right now. And it, I couldn't, it would not have happened unless my gremlin did it. So that's an initiated gremlin can serve you in many, many ways like that. Like one of the, one of the, one of the big ways the gremlin can serve you is to help you spot other gremlins and to see what other gremlins are going to do to you or trying to do to you to invite you into low drama or to attack you or betray you or, you know, do all the hooks and things like that, the low drama is. So it's really important. We'll be getting into that uh, about, but it's the active force of your box. Your gremlin is the active force of your box. And it's uninitiated until you go through these processes. And then it's this force of nonlinear possibility that's fa fabulous to have in your life. Especially if you're a man in relationship with a woman. Because a woman is the spider and a man is the fly. And there's no contest between a spider and a fly unless and until the man has his initiated gremlin at his side. And then it's an equal match. Phyllis, you're going to, we are, yes, we are three I, minutes over. What? Yeah. Yeah. yeah at some point, I want, <laughs> I want to know what you do when you spot other gremlins. Well, 
Yeah, just <clears throat> in short, the, my gremlin tells me, and he can, your gremlin can spot other gremlins 20 meters away, and what their purpose is, what their intention is, what the game is. And, and so it's, what my gremlin mostly does is provide an, a clarity about what the game is. What does that gremlin want to do, try to do to me? Are they going to play victim? Are they going to attack me? Are they going to um, try to fool me in different ways? Are they, are they going to play nice and sweeten up to me and then try to get something and take something from me? So there's, it's, it's really keep the channel open to your gremlin to tell you what does that gremlin want? What's the other gremlin want? And, can you, and, and not to engage it, but to like, put the cloth at the side for example, like we showed earlier today. Your gremlin can just hold the cloth. You can stay in complete centered presence connection, cloth at the side, you're not hooked. You can just let it go by and your gremlin can kind of smile and go, ah, that was a good trick or God, that was low class or your gremlin will make some comments like that. But that's the main, that's one of the things. But keep, keep asking that question. It's a useful question, okay, Phyllis, for as we go along. There's a lot of other things. Whoa, it's already 7.30. Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to tell you, I look forward to this time with you guys. I look forward to it. And um, this time we worked it out so that I won't just vanish off the screen because it's really a shock. It's something uh, I'll be sticking around a few minutes and if you need to go, just go. And if you have another question, whatever, we can just talk for a few minutes and we'll just sort of slowly end the space. But thank you all. Thanks very much for this. Really, I appreciate the participation and I, I love seeing you guys like this. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, you very welcome? much. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Would you welcome um, to hearing an experiment I tried this past week? Perfect, yeah, Janet, be great. So I identify part of my underworld is my beauty and intelligence, and those are the things that I strongly put, you know, when I go out in the world, it's important for people to see those things. And, wait, there's an emergency? What happened? Uh, that is hurt. I'll be there in five minutes. Take care of <sighs> My daughter got hurt. Um, so Janet, and, Janet? Janet? Yeah. I would just, I would encourage you to picture that as part of your box, as part of your sure. box, this thing. Okay. I, I use it in relationships. I do it all the thing. Um, so I chose an activity that would challenge my need to look good, to be beautiful, to be smart, do something that actually holds no value. Um, it is, has no purpose, no intention. What and is I it? Was, I was so frightened. I mean, I was so scared. So I came up with um, going to, some random street in my neighborhood going <laughs> parking along you know going to the sidewalk taking a broom and the pan and sweeping clean sidewalk like and like there would be possibly people outside but just mm -hmm. clean like and there's nothing dirty. i purposely had a look where it's not dirty um i wore clothes i was planning on giving to the goodwill anyway like i did not wear something that would look good and i set a timer for three minutes and just swept clean sidewalk and then put the things in the pan and took them 
like took them home. Like people, they're like, there's nothing in the pan. Oh, it was so, it terrified me. I did it a couple of times, terrified me. And I'm still, I still want to keep doing it until it no longer terrifies me and do it with maybe people sitting in the porch. Like actually people would see me more mm. like, like right there. Um, but it was, it was, yeah, it was so hard because it challenged everything of who I am. Uh, thank you. Um, every time, really, when you come up with experiments like that, please tell me because I'll put them on the websites, on the startover.xyz websites, because that's a fantastic one. It's really great. <laughs> thank now, you. The only thing I would say is add a zero. So do it for 30 minutes instead of three minutes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Next time. I will that's try. That's but it was wonderful. Thank you. It's perfect. I hope everybody gets it. I mean, it's like, it's so, it's so perfect. Those are exactly the matrix, matrix building kinds of experiments. Like, that's a fantastic one. Thank you very much. Thanks for sharing that. All right. I'm heading out. Bye, y'all. Okay. Thank you. Hey, Amanda. How's it in Costa Rica? Great. No, don't give me that answer. Jesus. Look. Great is like something like god awful, rejected, expectations are terrible, something like that. That's what great stands for. Okay, I'm going to ask again. Let's have a do over. Are you still there? Where did you go? I'm here. Okay, yes. Yeah, you just moved. So, Amanda, how's it in Costa Rica? It's alive. Everything is alive here. Wait a minute. So here's the experiment, okay. you know, don't answer the question. I asked you a question. It's kind of a regular, you know, how is it in Costa Rica? Don't answer the question. Develop the muscle in you to be an asshole and go, look, I've been meaning to tell you about the birds or I, I've, I'm, I'm doing an experiment on only eating sprouts or and don't, don't answer, like, give me, do something besides answering the question. You, you get what I'm saying? I think like, so. Participate. It's a full participation, but there's no, there is no reason in the world that you would ever have to actually answer anybody's question, ever. You are not constrained by any law of the universe that says you have to answer a person's question. They're making an offer. I'm, I just made a completely off the wall offer, which is like, I don't know if everybody knows you're in Costa Rica, so I'm just opening, I'm like, Earth to Costa Rica. You know, I'm just opening this channel, and then we'll see what you do with it. And you, you basically tried to answer my question, well, that's linear, that is flat, that is ordinary. That is the ordinary answer. So I'm trying to, I'm, what I'm doing right now is saying, okay, Amanda, you can develop, bring your gremlin, develop the capacity to not answer the question and still participate. Are you ready? Yes. Hello, Amanda. What's that vest you're wearing? You're wearing some kind of vest. I I actually have a question for you. No, wait, but see, okay, that was great, but you asked permission to ask the question. Okay. Like, so an asshole doesn't ask for permission. The asshole just asks the question. Okay. So we're gonna try again. Ready? Okay. Okay. Your, your hair is, you got your hair tied up. Um, I want to hear wait, the rest. Wait, you don't say um, you can't say um. um. Um is an American mantra. 
it puts you in your head. It's the American mantra that puts you in your mind and you, you cannot say, um, okay. So, so you, you get rid of the word fine and get rid of the word, um, okay. Make a little, a little, I don't know, pile of them over in the compost pile. You just compost those things. Okay. Okay. Shift go. Geez, you look, you don't look as tan as I thought you would in somebody from Costa Rica. Especially somebody who has American Indian blood in them. You know, I thought you'd be tanner. Uh, um, ah, shit, I screwed it up. <laughs> I said, um. Go again. All right. I wanted to hear, I want to hear the rest of your story because you were telling a story about like what happened before you met Anna Chloe and how it that all led up to it. And, and I felt like it was going somewhere and I want to hear the rest of that story. It's just this tiny segment where they finally said I should move, I should, I, I should go there, actually. I was in the Canary Islands or Portugal somewhere, you know, sleeping in my car, and they said, no, you, you should go there. So I called up, I called up the camp, and Anne Chloe was answering the phone. I didn't know who she was, really. And I just said, uh, can I come to the camp? And she said, no. She said, no. And I, so I had to sleep around in the dump, or I don't know where I was, it was this crappy old place in the car, I was just sleeping around. So, so it, was, it was like, Echo found it useful to put me in the camp because I was participating as the space holder for the evolution and transformation circle in the sociocracy structure of the, that, the game world. And so that's the thing that made it possible for me to move there is I already had a place in the game world. And I was a carpenter. I could build stuff with wood. And so they put me in there as a carpenter and a dishwasher and a codex writer for the game world. And, and yeah, and that, so it was like that. And then the rest is history. And it's completely bizarre, you know, it's completely off the wall. Like, who, what should this troll-like guy, you know, me hang out with this, you know, wizardess, young wizardess woman, you know, how's this supposed to work out? Like, I don't ask those questions. I trust Echo more than my brain like that. I trust I get, I'm allow myself to get moved into places that my brain cannot comprehend. It doesn't fit in the reasonableness factor of my brain. So I'm gonna be talking to Ian McKenzie tomorrow. We're doing an interview for his My Mystical Man podcast. What? You should ask them if they have questions that they want to know about men. Do you guys have questions that you wanna know about men? Yeah. that I can bring to the pot. Oh, uh oh, Vera's. Okay, Vera, go. Come on, Vera, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Give me three. Um, three, okay. Um, what th this, this thing about that I, that I see in men about wanting something out of women and like, the, what is that? What is, what is this patriarchal kind of, I want to get something out of women. What is it replacing really in them? Cause that's like, what is not being met that they have to get it out of women. Um, and also of, uh, 
of, 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 of reaching the top, kind of this thing of reaching the top and the next top and the next top. What is, what is that coming from? And uh, also about the men who are also more in the feminine that that do a lot of the work that women you know the 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 spidey way that women are more known to do there are men who do that i see more and more and so I the question like a spider like a spider mm -hmm. yeah so the, the question is uh how to yeah how did they is it like imitating or how did that came to be that uh, it's like a totally different strategy than the classic man? Yeah. Uh, you're talking about white widow men. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you very much. Those will be great. Thank you. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. Any, any more? Do you have any any more? Somebody else? Any ones about? Uh, you know, the whole program is about this the mytho mythological man. It's kind of like he had Martin uh, Shaw on just on the show and um, uh, Stephen Stephen Jenkinson on the show. So these guys are these mystical uh, archetypal. This whole John John Iron John stuff like this this whole this like what is this erotic you know being having an erotic m masculine that's turned on by a wild woman this whole thing and it's like i'm going to go in there with completely different orientation than that and so it's great if you have any uh yeah go ahead vera how can we invite men men into spaces of of transformation of evolution um of eco village of community x thank you good question yeah thank you yes Shan shannon well, I was just thinking, you know, as as things are evolving and as we are like women are coming more into their power and men are I, I feel like, you know, like you talk about the patriarchy in the old in, in the first book and how like that that's really hurt, you know, hurts. And so, like, how do we support men during this time of change? Um, I think I think that's like such a big thing, like. Because I, I see them so lost. Um, in some respects, and um, and so like as power shifts, and and, and the thing is like um, we don't know how to be in those those new places, right? Like we're like I'm still trying to like I lived under my this masculine energy for so long, wearing my masculine mask because that's what I was taught to do, and so um, and so like how do I take on my full feminine and then and then support the masculine at the same time? I guess. Gotta have radical answers for that. Boy, this is gonna be a good talk. Thank you. So um, where when can we hear this this um interview? He's pretty quick. 
hold on. I wanted to get that last one down. How do women, uh, what did you say about become? Like, like, like how do we step into our full feminine power and, and support the, and bring the men with us and support them without diminishing them? What? It will probably be online before before the next study next week, and then we can post it on the channel. We'll post it to you guys as soon as we as soon as he's got it online. He's just doing audio; it's not video. So it's a podcast program, and it's it's great. It's good. It's very high quality, and so so we'll get it to you as fast as we can. As soon as it's out there, yeah, Iris. Thank you guys something for this, this is great. This is great, thank you. It's something around where are men like bullshitting themselves? Maybe it's also some sort, is there like a male gremlin or something like that? Um, about I what? Know, well, I don't, not taking responsibility and like, so I don't know, something around what are they not telling us or what are they not showing or not doing? Good, yeah. Yeah. You know, I wanna, wanna give answers now, but I'm gonna wait, I have to wait. Um, what'd you say, what are men not showing us? What are they what? Yeah, I'm telling, showing, telling, doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, what are, what are men withholding? Yeah. And maybe also what's the benefit of holding a myth? <laughs> okay, I will stop now. <laughs> Just go. No, on. that's what don't stop. What's the benefit? That's that's actually what I wanted where I wanted to start. What's the benefit of holding a myth? Yeah, the myth is called man. <laughs> that's the myth yeah thank you thank you any anything else right now goddess thank you yes mia um the the, the three problem problem ownership no problem your problem my yeah. problem what if there's a problem that's obvious and just in order not to go into some low drama or have to burn, uh, just declaring it no problem. Like what's the, what's the distinction between, okay, there's like a problem here that I'm creating out of this story versus just letting it, letting it be, and and there's no problem, so I don't have to do anything about it or react. I'm having, I'm struggling with that minor. Minor, you said. You said minor thing. No, it's it's a major thing. It's this huge difference between the archetypal masculine and the archetypal feminine. Um, uh, good. Thank you for saying that. Is I mean, I probably all of us have experienced exactly that thing where. The woman's going, this is a problem. And the man's going, ah, it's no problem. You know, there's, there's not really a problem. Don't, you know, calm down. You know, just, and, and you know, like the world's falling apart. The, the, 
there's there's no safety there's a complete uh lack of foundation of credibility or reality and he's going there's no problem and the woman's going what's how can that be like how can it possibly how can those two viewpoints exist in the same universe basically the the paradox is so huge and it's like it's it's, it's, it's this perfect platform that for this i'm right you're wrong thing and like i was joking about at the beginning which is no joke it's the there's this spider and the fly this, the the feminine is the spider who has a huge web that goes everywhere and feels everything out there and the man is a stupid bumbling fly who gets who gets caught in the web and has no recourse he's got no hacksaw he's got no torch he can't get out of the web he's He's basically lunch for the for the spider, and yet um, the a problem doesn't exist until a human being says there's a problem in in some ways. I mean, as global warming, you know, takes out species after species on the planet Earth, that's a problem, and and these are the kinds of problems that women are able to see and identify these days that men are in usually complete gremlin denial about. So yeah, thank you for that. Thank you, Mia. Cool. So any last things from anybody? I just thank you for this time. When we were together last time, it ended so fast. It took me like two or three days to recover from the shock of just exiting this space from you guys really i felt really a lot of sadness and sh and pain from the shock of cutting off so soon so thank you for hanging out here a little bit and helping me um get ready for tomorrow anybody else have anything else right now yeah shannon so you know how you you had us do an experiment so I, I had lunch with um, a couple people and after lunch was finished, they served watermelon and um, like a big wedge of watermelon and with a fork and a knife. And so I went and I picked it up and I went, oh. <laughs> and it was such an awesome pattern interrupt because they burst into laughter. <laughs> it was, it was such an awesome moment. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to start doing this stuff like this. Anyway, I kind of do do stuff like that, but it, it was awesome. And I just wanted to thank you for giving us that, yeah. that just like burst of joy. <laughs> you know, Shannon, what it'd be great for you to do, I get that. See, see, this is your gremlin kind of laughing right now. Like you're using your gremlin to do stuff like that. You can already do this. There are so many people who cannot do that. So could you take on two or three, like three apprentices? that you can start empowering them to do, like accompany them through their day somehow, you know, through their, with the babysitter, with the, with the buying the groceries, at, 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 you know, talking to the neighbor, like accompany them and, and give them coaching in real time, just little tiny things for letting their gremlin be use, useful as a source of nonlinear possibility. Without, I see. without getting arrested, without offending people too much, without, but giving them this freedom of movement because you you kind of have it. You have your, your gremlin at your side. Yeah, and there's right. people with the, a okay. gremlin who has been suppressed, 
People have, it's a type two gremlin. The gremlin has been suppressed. It's not part of their survival strategy. And if you could bring like three, like just consciously pick three women or three people who, who you would, and for the next six months, kind of accompany and tell them to look, this is a asshole training program, or this is a, this is a gremlin empowerment training program, or this is a nonlinear possibility um, empowerment program, something like that. Because um, the fact it. that you could do this, you already proved that you can do it. Now help some other people, help some other people out. That's great. Cool. Thank you. All right, you guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great week. It's nice to see you. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you. Thanks, Jake. Thank you. Yeah, Kath Katarina, nice to see you. Gabriela. Okay. And Chloe. <laughs> okay. Bye, guys. Manuela, nice to see you. Galista, mm -hmm. okay. Bye bye, you guys. Ciao. Bye, Amanda, Quinn. See you guys. Nice to see you. It's always, it's great to have a, yeah, a little smell of Costa Rica tropical air come through the computer. It's great. Hey, Dora, thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Katrin. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye, you guys. Bye. Okay. Can you cut me off? I can do it.